This is Sound and Vision from KEXP in Seattle. I'm Emily Fox. Nancy Wilson is a rock and roll Hall of Fame inductee who's best known for being the singer, songwriter, and guitarist of the band Heart. Her sister Anne sang lead vocals. And nearly 50 years after joining Heart, the Bellevue Rays musician is out with her first solo record. It's called You and Me. Nancy Wilson joins me now to talk about the album. Hello. Hey, Emily. Thanks so much for being here. So I'm curious, after so long in the music industry, what inspired this first solo record decades later? Well, you know, a lot of people said, why aren't you going to do ever do a solo record? I've done a lot of work outside of the band, like score work and, and a live solo album at one time. But obviously, during the shutdown, there was no other excuse to not do it. And I moved to a space, a new house up in Northern California, where there's a great music space. Like I'd really never had one before. So I said, okay, well, this jigsaw puzzle is getting very boring. So I'm just going to go to work and, you know, start writing songs and stuff. And it's funny because this past year, I have had to read two biographies on Seattle area bands and musicians, one of which was a biography on Chris Cornell, and the other was um, a biography on Allison Chains. And what was interesting is in both of those books, Heart came up. It was like you and Heart were mentors to them. You were by their side. You were supportive. And I understand that both Chris Cornell and... Lane Staley of Alice in Chains inspired some songs off of this latest solo record of yours. Um, And I want to talk about both of those tracks. The first is, um, I was wondering if you could talk about the inspiration behind the song Party at the Angel Ballroom. Party, party at the Angel Ballroom. (laughs) That's a song, like lately, a little too frequently. We've lost a lot of our rock and roll angels. Chris Cornell included, and that one hit me really hard. I mean, they have all hit me hard, and everyone, but I've caught myself, you know, toasting to his angel and saying, you know, well, dude, there must be a really good party going on up there in the angel ballroom right about now. You know, so that then I thought, hey, wait a minute, that's not a bad song concept. And so, you know, it kind of represents the people we've lost, like Eddie and like, you know, Eddie Van Halen, yeah. Tom Petty and just way too many people. So I figured it would be a, a cool, almost an inside-out way to talk about something that's really sad and make it into a party. <laughs> party, party at the Angels It's a party so we can party like hell, like And I understand that Lane Staley of Alice in Chains was also on your mind when you wrote the song The Dragon. Tell me about that track. That track's been um, in my back pocket since the early 90s. And I was writing it when Lane was still around. And I, But you could tell that he was in so much trouble with his addiction and that it was not going to go well. You know, you can sort of see the train wreck coming 
into certain people and you, you really hope for the best and you, you just, you know, it's probably not going to be a good outcome. And so I, uh, I wrote it at the time, you know, kind of like a cautionary tale, like, don't go there, don't go there, my friend. But, um, you know, he did eventually lose the battle and it just, for some reason, it was never really like a heart song. It just didn't fit the heart format. And so it was kind of hanging around all these years and I really liked it. And then when I did another album with my other band called Roadcase Royale. I did a version of that song on that album. That album's called First Things First. But um my record company guy said, you got to redo the, the dragon on your new album. Come on. And I said, okay, well, I'll give it another shot, you know. <laughs> and so it's different from the Roadcase Royale version. And um I think it's trippier and it's a little more more of a rock song. Again, I just feel like you're so close to so many of these, you know, legendary Seattle bands and artists, you know, of which Heart is one of them. You know, I had mentioned Chris Cornell and, you know, Alice in Chains, but also, you know, on this solo album of yours, you cover Pearl Jam song. I know you're close with them. And Seattle native Duff McKagan of Guns N' Roses also plays in the album. And I'm just curious what your sense is, like, what your relationship with is with all of these other musicians and just... Your feel for, I guess, Seattle's music scene that you're involved in. Like, is there a special closeness among Seattle's musicians, you know, these legendary musicians that you wouldn't see in, say, New York or L.A.? I mean, I'm curious what your take is on that. No, absolutely. That's true. That's the truth. It's very communal sense of family there. When we got back from, you know, when we kind of hightailed back at the end of the 80s, back to home to Seattle, we thought, okay, now the new, you know, the grunge era bands like Nirvana, they're, they're just going to hate us because we were, we represented everything they were pushing against with all the big hair and all the big, you know, posturing of the big video, MTV video 80s. And when we first got back there, one of my dearest friends, Kelly Curtis from Seattle, I grew up with him and he was forever the the manager of Pearl Jam, even before they were Pearl Jam. And that's right when their the singer at the time, um, Andrew Wood from um, Mother Love Bone, yeah, Mother Love Bone, the version of, yeah, the pre Pearl Jam band, he OD'd and there was a huge wake in Seattle. And Kelly said, you have to come and meet the community. So we did. And we went to this house and, he said, bring your dogs. It'll cheer people up, you know. So we brought dogs and we met all these guys and, you know, they were really supportive. They were like, wow, I always loved your stuff. I mean, like Jerry Cantrell from Alice in Chains was like, I always loved that song, Mistral Wind, you know, show me how to play the introduction, you know. 
And Mike Inez from Alice was in Hart for quite a while when Lane, Lane disappeared for a few years there before he ultimately bit the dust. But, uh, but Mike Inez was in Hart for like, I guess, five years or more. So, you know, we all, we all have a brotherhood and a sisterhood going on. And the thing about Seattle itself that's so great, I think, is that it's just never felt like an industry town. Like having lived in LA for a long time and been in New York many times, those are really cool towns and really great hookups there for artists, you know, to hook up with other artists and stuff. But there is a more of a competitive, um, especially in LA, I think there's more of a competitive imaging of what rock people or what entertainment people are supposed to sort of look like and come off and, you know, telegenically and stuff. So I think being from Seattle really was, was a blessing for us because we got back to our hometown and we met hometown heroes where, which we were part of that group, you know, in a way. And we, we ended up on many stages doing many various projects together and singing on each other's songs. And, you know, so it's, it's a wonderful, it's Seattle's a wonderful music community. Yeah. I mean, I think about all of those bands, you know, that blew up in the grunge era and, you know, it's a, it's all a bunch of guys. And I think about Heart, you know, Heart has been described as the first hard rock band fronted by women. And I'm just curious from your perspective, you know, I mean, you were performing at a time where, you know, it still is a male dominated field, but especially then, um, did you feel at the time like you were doing something special or new or was gender an afterthought? Gender was definitely an afterthought in our case. I mean, I was nine when I started playing guitar and we had little kind of folky bands and various little acoustic, you know, groups with various friends along the way. And we did lots of performing in front of people and family and friends. And we were military brats from the Marine Corps. So we also had this sense of dogged determination and we we got good you know we 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 got proficient with playing and singing and performing pretty young so actually you know before we really had any kind of you know sexual identity or expectation about your sexuality in order to not look like you're completely a novelty somehow and i think we did end up kind of becoming a novelty in many ways but by that time we were pretty good. And so we, we could just pull it off. And, um, people were really surprised. And it was, it was sort of a big snowball theory that kind of rolled us out into the world. Mm, yeah. I mean, I'm, I, I talk to women musicians today and a lot of them are saying, you know, I, I do sound check and, and the, and the sound guys don't take me seriously when I ask for something or figure, feel that, you know, I don't know what I'm doing. Or, you know, I've talked to women who, let's say, play bluegrass and they're in a jam session with a bunch of artists and it, and, and it comes, you know, around the circle, their turn to jam on guitar specifically and people pass them up, assuming like, oh, this person sings, but they don't know how to play guitar. Um, and I'm curious for you, I mean, yeah. y- you are you are a vocalist and a guitar player. I mean, did you feel like you ever faced some of that like, ah, girls can't play guitar or whatever? I mean, or or was it just heart was heart and you were its own entity and you were able to surpass all of that? I, I pretty much feel like I surpassed a lot of that because, again, being so young and so proficient, and I used to be a real 
showboater. I was really just show off about what I could do, hmm. you know, on a guitar. So I was really proficient and I knew it. And people would go, whoa, look at that, you know, look at her. And, and the same with Anne's voice. I mean, there was just no denying that's just a gift from above when she opens her mouth and does what she knows, what only she can do, you know, that well. And so it was, I guess we sort of, we might have escaped a little bit of a curveball there. Well, I understand that Carrie Brownstein of Slater Kinney, also we have a, a Seattle area connection there for music as well of as Portlandia <laughs> fame. <laughs> what <Yeah>. else? <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, she's writing and directing a biopic about Hart. Um, is there anything that you can share about that project? Well, I, I think this, she really captured something in her script that was really important for the for the story of me and my sister which is humor. Like she's great at writing humor. She, you know, she did Portlandia, uh, but this is her first, you know, directorial film debut. Um, but I think she's really captured things about it that gives the story a real sense of humor that we do. We've always had as well as the depth and, you know, and the sacrifice and the, the survival skills that it took to kind of get where we were going. So, her tone is really important to it. I think she's going to just kick ass doing this right. <laughs> I mean, when when you realized that this biopic was going to happen, I mean, was there a certain story about just, just Hart's story itself that you wanted to make sure was portrayed in this biopic? Well, yeah, I think like the main thrust of what should be sort of the story that should be told is it's the story of two sisters, you know, who defied the odds and developed the, the tools and the skill to survive a gauntlet against a lot of odds, including the era through which they survived. And so I think, and the humor and the closeness and, um, and, and then the differences between me and my sister Anne, you know, we've never been alike at all. And that's part of the, I think, the beauty of our collaboration throughout the years is because we really have different approaches to how, what, what we wanted to talk, say, and what, and how we want it to sound. So, you know, there's no generalization, but I'm kind of more, I kind of come through it more of a romantic, you know, romantic, through the romantic door. And she comes, through it more from a rock and roll door or the bluesy door. So, um, yeah, so there's a balance. <laughs> well, I've been speaking with Nancy Wilson of Heart about her first solo record. It was released this month. It's called You and Me. She'll be performing with the Seattle Symphony on July 9th at Seattle's Royal Hall. Nancy, thank you so much for your time today. Well, thanks, Emily. It was really fun talking to you, too. That was Sound on Vision, and if you like what you hear in this podcast, 
please do me a huge favor and subscribe, rate, and review this show or share it with a friend. It makes a big difference in letting other people know that this podcast is out there. Also consider giving a one-time $20 donation to support what Sound and Vision does by going to kexp.org slash sound. Thanks for listening.